Thank you, Kim. When this month's series, we've been looking at barbed wire as a, a metaphor for the boundaries that we need to be placing in our lives. And kind of the theme that we've said throughout this series is that healthy boundaries foster life. Healthy boundaries foster life. By the way, not having healthy boundaries fosters chaos. And so we've talked about how boundaries and setting boundaries are are hard work, but they protect you and they give you borders by which to determine where others end and where you begin. And we've looked at several uh, boundary issues uh, that we see in our society, and, and I've talked about these are not an exhaustive list, but here's the, some of the issues that we struggle with as a, as a culture. You'll see these four. The first one is the, the FOMO, the fear of missing out. And so we're, we get so busy because we don't want to miss out or we don't want our children to miss out on something. Uh, second, we don't want to disappoint people so we, we don't have healthy boundaries or we don't want to appear mean or we don't know our purpose. And last week we looked a lot at that fourth one, our, our purpose. But today we're going to be looking at uh, how healthy boundaries redefine family, what family is. Healthy boundaries redefine family. We've, we've talked about how you, can have, you can't have a functioning ranch without barbed wire. You, you need uh, that fence. If you don't have some type of boundary in place, uh, then the cattle, they can get lost, they can wander off, hurt themselves or hurt others. Without the boundary of the, the barbed wire, ranching would be next to impossible. However, even in a fence, you have to have some entry and exit points. You need a gate. You need gates in and out uh, so, somewhere along your fence. In as much as you can't have a functioning ranch without some barbed wire, you also need to be able to get in and get out and allow others to do the same. Good fences have strategically placed gates. Good fences have strategically placed gates. In today's scripture, Jesus addresses his boundaries. Who gets in, who gets access to the ranch, and who gets through the gate. So I'm gonna read the scripture again. Barrett did a great job, but let's read it again. Then his mother, this is Jesus' mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So what's going on here? Why does Jesus respond this way to what seems like a simple request for a family meeting? But when you back up in verses 1 through 19 of Mark here in this, we get a little more context. And, and context, context always adds clarity to boundary issues. In fact, I could preach a sermon just on that sentence. Context always adds clarity to boundary issues. So let's give you a little context. Jesus has been in the synagogues. He's been uh, teaching and he's been healing people on the Sabbath. And he goes from there to the sea and there's all these crowds that are crowding around him, these massive crowds. And there's people with diseases and, and uh, who are pressing on, on him to touch him and to be healed. And those with unclean spirits are, are falling down before him. And the spirits are saying, you're the son of God. And then he climbs up the side of a mountain 
and he picks 12 men to be his apostles. We remember the story. And then he went home and the crowds gathered again and became so big that Jesus couldn't even eat. And then in verse 21, chapter two of Mark, we read this. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him for people were saying he has gone out of his mind. So this is the context of our passage this morning. So we know why Jesus's relatives came and why they're asking for him to restrain him. Well, you can imagine restraining him was not God's will. It wasn't Jesus's will, even if his family's intentions were good. Perhaps they thought his life was in danger. He was going to burn out or something was going on and they wanted to protect him. Typically, that's the way family is. They, they have good intentions. They want to protect. Uh, maybe they were uh, afraid he would ruin his reputation if the people thought he was really out of his mind or maybe they did think he was out of his mind, that he was going crazy. But what Jesus makes very clear in this moment is that sometimes healthy boundaries redefine family. What did Jesus say? He said this, whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother, is my family. Notice that Jesus doesn't just put up a barbed wire fence. He also puts up a shiny new gate. He puts up a gate. It's important to hear who he lets in as much as who he keeps out. By putting up a boundary, Jesus defines those who may not have access to the ranch. Those seeking to restrain him do not have access. By putting up a gate, Jesus defines who may enter and who may have access to the ranch and who he considers family, whoever does the will of God. Healthy boundaries redefine family around Jesus. Healthy boundaries redefine family around Jesus. In the kingdom of God, blood ties are not as important as the ties we have through Jesus. Some of you might be going, whew, at this point. In fact, the family of God trumps blood. Those who do the will of God are the ones who are your true family. Let me put it this way. How many of you have relatives that don't do the will of God who you might consider a little bit crazy? They're not your true family. Now that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But I think I said it the first week though when we started this series. Oftentimes when we have family that are outside the will of God, they try to keep us from growing as disciples of Jesus Christ. They know our faults and our feelings. They know uh, our secrets. And sometimes they lord it over us. And they try to define who we are instead of allowing Jesus to define who we are. But if we're going to save the ranch, if we're going to have a healthy ranch, we have to redefine our boundaries around Jesus. But too often we let those on the outside try to control us. Now Jesus did not say to his mother and brother and sisters, forever you are on the outside. You may never come in. You're not welcome. No, he said, in this instance, 
you have wrong motives and a wrong heart. And I can't let you define who I am because I already know my purpose. Remember that? We talked a lot last week. If you weren't here last week, go back. You can listen to the sermon online about who knowing our purpose helps us define our boundaries. In John chapter 10, Jesus uses the analogy of a gate and of a sheep pen to illustrate proper boundaries concerning himself in our lives. Remember the story where Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And then he goes on, Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. See, Jesus himself put up a boundary around what it means to be a part of his family. Going so far as to actually say, I am the way in and out of the ranch. I'm the gate. I'm the way in and out. Anyone who comes onto my property has to come through me. Anyone attempting to go around and scale or go through the barbed wire is a trespasser and should be seen as a thief and a bandit. So let me sum it up this way. A fence with no gate resists everybody. It pushes and keeps everyone out. And those that are in, it keeps everyone in. A fence with no gate is an offense. It's offensive. If it is a life kind of lived in lockdown, resisting everyone. Too often we see this in the church. The church does that sometimes. And it says whoever is in is in. Whoever is out, they're never going to be able to come in. We want to leave them out. But that's not correct. We need a gate. A fence with a gate allows access to the ranch, to those that are willing, those who are seeking to follow the ranch rules as laid out by the rancher. It keeps trespassers out and allows family in. And a trespasser is anyone who attempts to come over the fence in any way other than by the gate. Family are those who do the will of God and come in through the front gate. So let's finish up with today by looking at the essence of some boundaries we've been talking about. And and a boundary, again, we can define a boundary is where do I end and where does someone else begin? Where do I end and where does someone else begin? And as Christians, though, we are called to live in community. We live in community with one another. So part of this is mastering the art of being me without losing you. So we have these dual purposes here. Where do I end and where does someone else begin? And and how do I learn how to be me without losing you? But one of the first challenges to setting boundaries is that we often don't know who we are as to who someone says we are. Sometimes we let our families or close friends define who we are. Oftentimes we allow culture to define who we are. Or our political affiliation define who we are. Or the news media, often we allow race or sexual orientation or money, anything to define who we are. But all of these must bow their knee 
and fall before Jesus. He defines who we are. Healthy boundaries redefine family around Jesus. This is where we need to do a lot of work, building fence in our lives and taking responsibility for our own ranch. So what are some things inside our property line that we're responsible for? There's quite a few things, actually. There's a whole list of things that we are responsible for, but we're only gonna talk about three this morning. And some of these are taken from Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Changes That Heal. And Dr. Cloud has written several books on boundary issues and healthy boundaries, and so I would commit his books to you as well. But the first one we are responsible for are our attitudes, our opinions about or our outlook toward something. That is one boundary issue that we are responsible for, our attitudes. This is where we have to discipline our hearts and our minds. We have to work on our attitudes. This takes mental toughness. This sometimes is not very easy. This is a discipline. Any of you had a bad attitude this morning? Probably not going to admit to it. But in a crowd of this size, I'm sure some of you woke up this morning with a bad attitude. Who's responsible for your attitude? You are. You are. But I'm betting that most of you are saying, yes, but. Yes, I know I'm responsible for my attitude, but you don't know what kind of morning I had. Yes, I'm responsible for my attitude, but you don't know how my kids acted this morning. Yes, I'm responsible for my attitude, but fill in the blank. That's making an excuse. We swallow the lie that our attitudes are dependent on outside forces. And we easily get swayed by the world. We allow the world to control our attitude. We haven't set healthy boundaries. We are responsible for our attitude. I say it to myself all the time. It's all in the attitude. I can make the day good or bad, depending on my attitude. I have that power. But too often we allow others to take that power from us. If you wanna save the ranch of your life, you must be able to discipline your mind and heart around a positive, healthy attitude in Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the attitudes that we should have. Sometimes as we wake up in the morning and our attitudes are bad, we have to discipline our minds and remind ourselves, what boundaries should I be putting up? What is controlling my attitude? Because guess what? I have been saved by Christ and I have life and I have promise of a future. Maybe I need to change my attitude. Second, we're responsible for our behavior, the way we act or conduct ourselves. How often do we hear our children say, he made me do it. He made me hit him. It's not my fault. Why are you laughing? You've heard that before, huh? We see it in children all the time, don't we? You know, they, they try to place the blame on, on someone else did it. I didn't do it. I, I, I hear adults say, well, the devil made me do it. This isn't new. This isn't new. All the way back in, in Genesis, remember when, when God came down, saw 
that uh, they had eaten the fruit. And, and God asked, who ate this fruit? Adam points to Eve and says, she did it. She made me do it. It's her fault, right? We see it since the beginning. We don't, if we don't take responsibility for our actions, then our ranch will be destroyed. In the Old Testament, who were the first two kings of Israel? Do you remember who they were? Who was the first one? Saul. Who's the second king of Israel? David. We, we see these two men of God, Saul and David. What was the difference in their lives? Saul made a bunch of mistakes, didn't he? He did stupid stuff all the time. What about David? He never did anything stupid, did he? Right. We remember David, what did he do? He only slept with his best friend's wife and then had his best friend killed. Yeah, he, he murdered. So why do we exalt David and we don't exalt Saul? What's the difference? Let me tell you what I think the difference is. Every time Saul messed up, what did he say? Not my fault. Someone else. Someone else did it. Someone else made me do it. If you'd have showed up on time, we'd have gotten this right. It's someone else's fault. Every time, go back and read the stories. Every time Saul makes a mistake, he blames it on someone else. What about David? Every time David is confronted, I'm the man. I did it. I made the mistake. I own it. I'm responsible. You're right. I royally messed this up. We are responsible for our behaviors. That's the difference. See, every time David was confronted, he confessed and he repented. He wept. He wept. If you want to save the ranch, then you must own your actions. You have to set up that boundary. We're responsible for our behaviors. Third, we're responsible for our desires, our wants, our wishes, our dreams, our goals, our plans. To me, this is where we must redefine our family around Jesus. If our desires are not kingdom-centered, if our desires are not focused on the family of God, then we are chasing after the wind. We will never be fully satisfied. Healthy boundaries redefine family around Jesus. Healthy boundaries redefine family around Jesus. Let's look again at all three of these, our attitude, our behavior, and desires. And taking this idea of attitude even a little bit further, your attitude concerning sin and the works of the flesh and what you should be doing, if they're, they may be different from God's. But you know what? God respects your boundaries and your behavior concerning sin. We call that free will. He'll let you make mistakes. He understands your desires may be different than his, but he's not going to change his boundary to accommodate you. If you are Jesus' apprentice, if you are his disciple, your attitude, your behavior, your desires must submit to his boundary. Or you might say it like this, those not following God are not his followers are not his disciples. 
Going back to our scripture this morning, whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus's family expected Jesus to jump at their request, to leave the ones inside gathered around him doing the will of God, to come outside for a family meeting to discuss their fears of how the religious folks saw him or perhaps their own concern for his sanity. The first question this should raise is, if you are Jesus's family, Why aren't you inside with him? Why are they on the outside? That's where people doing the will of God are at. Now don't confuse that with you being here this morning in church. Jesus wasn't in the synagogue, he was at home. Jesus, he was at the ranch, his own house. Why are they on the outside instead of the inside? Again, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. It's fascinating he doesn't use father. We only have one father, our heavenly father. At the macro level, Jesus sets boundaries around the ranch and defines his attitudes his opinions and outlooks, his, his behavior, his desires. And as we follow suit as his disciples, we are to set those same boundaries at the micro level in our lives as well. Our attitudes, our behaviors, our desires, we are to have the mind that Joshua had in Joshua 24, 15, where he lays out his boundary. Remember the text, the famous text, he says this, now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Think about property lines. They're always going to offend trespassers. Your boundaries are always going to offend trespassers. So don't be manipulated by someone that wants to complain about your fence. As believers, we are responsible before the Lord for our ranch. You're not responsible for the attitudes of others, the behavior of others, or the desires of others. You're responsible for you, your attitude, your behavior, your desires, who you will serve, and what takes place on your ranch. If indeed you do these things, then you will save the ranch. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, for the calling that you have placed in our lives, for the boundaries that you have set in your word. Help us to live within those boundaries and help us to have proper gates. Help us to know where those are set as we welcome in and as we keep out. We thank you for the ways that you're moving in our midst and we pray that you would help us even now to set proper boundaries. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.